Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Centre podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. As Pastor John said, we're talking about you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 8.32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. My, the title of my message this morning is called Meeting with the Truth. There's a Bible verse, there's a story in the Bible that's pretty powerful. It's the story of when Jesus has been arrested and he's brought before Pilate. And Pilate's speaking to him. And he's asking him questions. And I want to read that verse for you this morning. It says this. It's John 18, verse 37 to 38. It says, You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this he went out again to the Jews, gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. I think this is amazing. He says to Jesus, what is truth? And the Bible says he retorted. So when I looked up what retorted meant, it means that they say, it's a word that says sharply or in a way that's disrespectful, witty. So it wasn't said to Jesus in, in a respectful way. It was like he was having a strategy. What is truth? And in that moment, he doesn't realize that he's actually standing face to face with the truth. The person who is the truth. And, and maybe if you just ask in a more respectful way, in that moment, maybe if he asked in an inquiring way, what is truth? Maybe his life would have changed in that moment forever because in that moment, the truth may have come in and changed his life. In our lives, in my life, there's been times when my world's been messed up, when, when it feels like when I'm praying, the roof is like right there and, and the words I'm saying are just bouncing off the roof. Maybe someone's been saying something about me or maybe someone's gossiping or maybe someone's disrespected me. Maybe my world, feel, maybe I feel really discouraged and hurt. In that moment, what changed my world wasn't that I started reading a book. I'm going to read a self-help book that will help me feel positive. It wasn't that I started to think different. In that moment, I, I just got to think positively here. If I could just think positive thoughts, my world will change. What changed my life is that I had an encounter with Jesus in those moments. I went into my room, I shut the door, played some praise and worship music, and I just pressed into Jesus, and I didn't leave there until, the, until Jesus came and spoke into my life. See, I had an encounter with the truth, and he spoke truth into my life, which changed my world. So this morning, I'd like to talk to you about what happens when we come face to face with the truth. What takes place in our life when we come face to face with the truth? The first thing is this, we're free to think differently. I think this is a great thought. When we have an encounter with the truth, when we have an encounter with Jesus, it frees us to start to think differently than we used to. Peter, I think, is a great example of this in the Bible. And it started off with how he saw himself, the way he thought about himself. He was a fisherman. His name meant Simon, which meant reed. He was a reject from rabbi school at the young age when they decide whether or not he's going to keep going. 
to become a rabbi or whether he's just going to go back and, and work in his father's job, what his father did. He was, no, you're not good enough. You're out. He has an encounter with Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus changes the way he thought about himself. He says, your name means, is Simon, but you shall be called Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. He says that in a later moment. On, you are Peter, and on this rock, I'll build my church. You'll be a fisher of men. I love that thought. Hey, you're a fisher of people, but now you're going to be a fisher of men. He changes identity. In another place, Peter's there, and, and this is after Jesus has died, gone back into heaven. He's up on a, on a roof, and he's praying. On, and on that roof, he's hungry, the Bible says. And in that moment, he has a vision, and this blanket comes down with a heap of nice food on it. But he's not allowed to eat it because he's Jewish, and Jewish have certain rules around what they're allowed to eat and what they're not. And it comes down, and Jesus says to him, he says, Peter, get up and eat. And Jesus says, no, 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 I'm not going to do that because nothing unclean has ever tasted. I've never ate it. It's never touched my lips, anything unclean. And Jesus says to him, never call anything unclean that I've called clean. In that moment, God's not just speaking to him about food, but he's speaking to him about people. He's talking about Gentiles, people who weren't Jewish. And so Jesus is changing Peter's mindset around people. Because when we have an encounter with Jesus, it changes how we think. I remember when I was a, a, a youth pastor just starting out. And I, growing up, I didn't have a very good self-esteem. So, and still, even when I became a Christian, it's not like when I got saved, my self-esteem also, all of a sudden became awesome. So I saw myself how God saw me. It, it had to be a, a journey. And I can remember there was this one time in our old church, when you walked in through the front door, my senior pastor had this beeper that went, beep, beep. Well, probably not as, no, not like that. Bum, bum. Yeah, that's probably more like it. And it's just to let the senior pastor know that there's someone just walked in the church so he could come out and see who it was and have a chat to him. If it was someone inquiring about something, he could walk in, walk out there and talk to him. So as I'm walking in, if, whenever I walked in, I used to say, identify myself so that my pastor didn't have to come out and, and see me so he could just stay in his office. So I walked in one day, and the door, went, the door went off. I said, it's just Jason. Then the Holy Spirit straight away, bang, spoke to me, said, never say it's just Jason. It's Jason. In that moment, he was dealing with the way I thought about myself. There was this other time. See, I was talking to my friend recently about what, we, what could we do to help European people see indigenous people in a, in a better, you know, to have empathy for them and, and they're not to be racism and stuff like that. And, and we were talking about it and, and we were talking about maybe we could, you could do stuff like just share more about what went on for indigenous people when white people first came here. Maybe we, you could teach people about language and stuff like that. I, I said, I think it would really build an understanding. And he said to me, he said, would you like to learn about indigenous stuff in school. And I said to him, honestly, when I was a kid, no. I said, because before I became a Christian, and my friend's Aboriginal, and he knows me, he was in my youth group back when I was in England, and a great friend of mine said, honestly, before I was saved, I was, I was what you would call racist. And I said, um, I grew up in a racist environment, so I wouldn't have. Now I'd love to. But back then, I was what you probably call racist. And, and, and what happened was, in my life, what happened when I got saved, Jesus had to change the way I thought. Because he changed my heart, and with that then came a 
change in the way I thought. And it happened through encounters with Jesus. Now, I wasn't sure. I wrestled with that all yesterday to share that story because I'd hate for my Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander, South Sea Islander friends to think I still am. I, I love Indigenous people. My best, my greatest friends are Indigenous people. Family. But I think it's a great illustration of what God can do when you have an encounter with Him and He changes the way you think. Imagine what I would have missed out on if I didn't let Jesus change that in my life. I wouldn't have an awesome wife that I have. I wouldn't have the awesome son that I've got. I would have missed out on that because I didn't allow Jesus to change the way I thought. When I was, just this week, I was hanging out with a friend, and we're sitting there at Macca's, and, he, and I said to him, we, we got onto university. He said, I could never do university. I said to him, never say that. Because you could. If you worked hard, you could do it. So often our thinking holds us back from everything God's got for us. We say things, we think things just because of our past. Just because of the things that happened to us. We allow those thoughts to hold us back. And the words we speak are just the, 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 the thoughts we think. I could never do that. Sure, some people, university is easier than others. But if you work hard, you can do it. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God goes before me. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, He'll bless me in the city, He'll bless me in the country. He'll bless me as I go in, He'll bless me as I go out. Everything I put my hand to will prosper. The way we think can either set us up for victory in life, or it can set us up for failure. And the way we let it change us is through an encounter with Jesus. This is how it works. This is how I've found it works. I'll be in my room reading my Bible. And then something something I'm reading, a Bible verse will come alive. It's what's called a Rima word. And all of a sudden, that enters into my heart. And I can now build a life of faith out of that thought and out of that word that's going to set me up with my future. That's why it's so important to read our Bibles. Because when we read our Bible, we position ourselves for an encounter with Jesus because He is the Word. He is the truth. And the truth is in our Bible. So let me encourage you this week. If you don't read your Bible, start to read your Bible. Start to put time aside to encounter Jesus. So you can change your thinking. The second thing is this. Free to be healed. In the gospel, wherever Jesus went, he left a trail behind him of healed people. Blind Bartimaeus yelled out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus went, what do you want? He said, I want my eyesight. He said, boom, eyesight was back. He healed the deaf. Healed those who couldn't speak. He cast demons out of one guy. The Bible says he could have had a thousand in there because he calls himself. He says, who are you? He says, we are legion, for we are many. He cast out heaps of demons out of that man. Set him free. Healed him. There was a guy, and I love this story. There was this one guy who couldn't walk, so his four friends, his four friends put him on a stretcher, climbed the top of the roof, dug a hole in the roof, laid him down. Jesus says, take up your mat and walk. But I think one of the greatest stories that shows the power of Jesus to set us free for healing is the story of the woman 
who's had an issue for blood of blood for 12 years. And, and let me read you the Bible verse. It's from Matthew 9, verses 20 to 22. It says, Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, If I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her, Take heart, daughter. He said, Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. Here was a lady. For 12 years, she'd gone to doctors, wanting an answer for her problem. Because of her problem, she would have been ostracized and away from everybody. She couldn't partake in all the cool stuff everybody else was doing. And in that moment, Jesus is walking through her town. She goes, if I can just grab a hold of his clothes, I know I'll be healed. And Jesus sets her free forever. How cool is that? Jesus has power to set us free from sickness, from mental health issues, everything. Many of you know my story, but I want to share it again this morning. And I think part of it you may have not have heard, but when I was growing up, I, I suffered from anxiety, depression, had OCD issues, had to do certain things that if I didn't do, and I didn't go to bed at a certain time, I, I believed I wouldn't be able to sleep that night. Had all these things messed up. Low self-esteem, like I said before. And I'd go to bed at 9.30 every night. Hop into bed. And it would be the start of about four or five hours of hell, just anxiety and anger as I was trying to go to sleep. And part of me felt like, this is unfair, God. If you were real, why am I going through this? And the hardest part for me in that moment was, God, is this what my life's going to be like for the rest of my life? Because I don't... I don't want to do this if this is the way it's going to be for the rest of my life. I cannot imagine. This is at 19 years old. I could not imagine every night, week after week, month after month, year after year of going through this. One night, I was listening to some music, and God spoke to me. I didn't know it was God at the time, but I just heard his voice say, go read your mum's Bible. But now nah, that'd be boring now. But then... I heard another, not, not another voice, but I remembered what my chaplain said to me at my school. That the Bible was the most interesting book she'd ever read. So I said, all right, I'll give it a go. Went and picked up my mum's Bible, sat in the room and started reading it. And that night, Jesus showed me that he was real, that he had a plan for my life and that he could set me free. And that night, for the first time in months, the minute I hopped into bed, I was asleep. Because he changed my heart. An encounter with Jesus set me free. What are you going through in your life right now? Maybe maybe somebody's, you've gone to the doctor and the doctor said you've got this wrong with you, it's going to be yours for the rest of your life. Maybe, maybe you've got mental health issues that you've been struggling with for a long time. Maybe you've got other things. Maybe something in the future is going to come. I don't want to prophesy that over everybody's, somebody's life, but sometimes stuff happens in our life. And I just want to encourage you, the Bible says that by his stripes we are healed. And so that when I'm sick, when I've got issues in my life, when, when there's things going on, when I'm, when I'm not well, we can actually go in, into our rooms, we can shut the door, we can start to cry out to God and say, God, I thank you that your word says that by your stripes we are healed. And I just declare right now that you've healed me of this thing that I'm going through. I thank you, God, you're greater than this issue that's going on in my life, and I declare healing in the name of Jesus. Because the truth is, we're healed. Jesus died on the cross, whipped, broken, so that you and I could be healed, set free, 
from those things that we're struggling with. Jesus wants to set you free. That's his will for your life and my life. The next thing is this. Free from sin. John 8, 34, 36 says, Jesus replied. So this is further down from the Bible verse we just read about Jesus is talking to the people, he says, who believed in him, that he said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Then he keeps talking and this is what he says. Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. I think that's pretty cool. Let me get the whiteboard. I'll teach you something. Trevor said to me this morning, he said, you'd make a great teacher. So we're about to find out if that's true or not. All right. So I'm going to draw you a tree. You'll know that I'm not a good drawer, that anyway, at very least. Uh, that was supposed to be a mango, but that is not a mango. Could have been an apple, but the Bible doesn't say it's an apple. I just wanted... And we live in Bowen, so it should be a mango. Is that a good enough mango? Yeah. So, uh, let me draw another tree in the background. So, all right, let me give you some theology around sin and why sin is in the world. So, in the beginning, the Bible says God created man and, and, and woman, and he put them in a garden. And he said, you can eat of any fruit in the garden. He put two trees there. One was the tree of life, and the other one was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, you can eat of any tree in the whole garden, but you can't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can't do that. It's not right. Now, the cool thing about this, men and women were perfect. They, never, they could eat what they want and not put any weight. I think Adam probably looked like Jason Momoa. You know, Aquaman. One of my relatives, I won't say names, but one of my relatives said to me, they said, you know what, I'd watch Aquaman with the, with the sound down. I did not expect her to say that, because she's a bit older, but hey, not my wife, it's not my wife, so <laughs> she gets that when I take my shirt off anyway, no, sorry. <laughs> I wish, all right. But so what happened was, Adam and Eve ate, now before we get there, I want you to yell out some stuff for me. What's some things we shouldn't do in life? Yeah, okay, sin, yep. But what are those sins? Pride, we shouldn't have pride in our life. Steal, pardon, gossip, yep. Lust. Envy, we shouldn't envy. Pardon? Lie, yep, we shouldn't lie. Unforgiveness, yep, we shouldn't, we should forgive. Unforgiveness, we shouldn't judge. 
Pardon? Kel, that's a big one. That's a good one. What else? Anything else? A couple more? A few more? Covered. What was that? Oh, covered. Sorry. Yep. Be greedy. Yep, greed. Cheat. Selfish. Be selfish. Jealous. Jealousy. Did anyone say steal? Oh, there it is. Shouldn't um, have an affair, I guess. Or is that covered? I don't know. Oh, that's lust. All right. Cool. We got enough. I think we got enough there. So what happened was, Adam and Eve grabbed the fruit, took a bite, probably a mango, and all these things, all that stuff that we can think of came into the world. All the messed upness that we experience today, all the brokenness, all the hurt, all those sins, all those things that hurt us, hurt you, hurt me, happened because of in that moment they were disobedient, and the Bible says sin entered the world. Now, I, I, I did some, I, I looked at Google and worked out what the word sin means. It says, an immoral act considered to be a transgression against divine law. The verb is commit a sin. I sinned and brought shame down on us. So, in that moment, everything changed. What was the perfect relationship with God? Where the Bible says that God walked in the cool of the evening no longer happened because there was a distance between God and man. Not from God's side, but because of man. Because man knew that they had done wrong. Because man knew that there was brokenness in their life. Because they were, all of a sudden, the Bible says they realized that they were uncovered and sewn together fig leaves to cover their selves. In that one moment. And, and sin, we, sin in our life, we think Sin hasn't got much power in our life. It's not too bad to sin, but sin can mess up our life and it can mess up the lives of those around us. And I've got a video for you that I want to show you today. And it's, who's seen the movie The Jungle Book? Yeah, it's a cool movie. It's about a boy named Mowgli. Jan, could you please put that back over there for me, please, bro? It's a boy named Mowgli. and, and, And Mowgli is raised by wolves. And, and, and there's, a, there's a tiger named Shere Khan. And Shere Khan wants to kill this boy for no other reason than he's a man. As I'm watching it, I said there's a parallel there between Satan and the tiger. Satan hates us for no other reason than we're a man. Because we're, we're made in the image of God. And as I'm watching it, there's this moment when, when the panther... Decides, you know what, I'm going to take him back to his human people. Because Shere Khan wants to kill him. And, and, and in this one moment, they get broken up. The panther, who was like a father to him, they get broken up and Mowgli goes off into the jungle. And there's this moment in the, when he gets in the jungle, he's on his own. And there's a snake named Ka. And as I watched it, I thought, that's a great illustration of sin. And I want to show you the video right now. Thank you very much. I think that's a great picture of sin. Because sin makes us think that we want it. Sin makes us think that our life would be better 
if we had it. And sin entices us. Uh, when, when Cain was going to kill Abel, God speaks to him and says, sin crouches at the door, it wants you. See, sin's always crouching there wanting to get us. Wanting to, and we think it's enticing. And we go after, and I like that thought that the snake said, it's just you and me, I'll keep you safe. And in fact, sin does that in our life. The things that we do that are wrong, those things that we do in private that nobody sees, we think it gives us comfort. We think it gives us safety. We think it makes us whole. But while it's attracting us, while this thing's looking at us and telling us what we want to hear, it's slowly strangling us to death. It's slowly killing us. Sin's something that messes you and I up. But it's not just a breaking of a moral code, it's also a force. When I was growing up, I had some favorite cartoons. One of them was He-Man. Who's ever seen He-Man? Yeah, that's a cool cartoon. Some of you don't know it. But there was this one moment, his name was Adam and he was a prince and he held aloft his sword and, and, the, and the start said this, it said, he said, he'd hold, he said, hi, my name's Adam. My powers were revealed to me the day I held aloft my magic sword and said, by the power of Grease Skull, He-Man. And he became He-Man. And, then he, and then, he looked, then he pointed his sword at his cat, Cringer, who was real scared and shaking all the time. And it turned into Battle Cat. I loved it. It was, cool. it was a cool cartoon. Then I had another show that I liked when I was a kid called Super Ted. Super Ted was cool. And it starts off, the show starts off right at the start. It says, they threw a teddy bear away like a piece of rubbish. Then a man from outer space, a spotty man, came down and brought him to life with his cosmic dust. Then he took him away to a cloud where Mother Nature gave him special powers. That bear became Super Ted. And uh, his, his, but they were both brought to life with a secret word. Now, Super Ted, you never got to see his word or know what his was because they were probably scared that you might use it and become Super Ted as well. But, see, I can remember things that will never make me any money. But maths, <laughs> I, I did not look those things up before I preached. I just know them off the top of my head. Things that won't make me money, identic memory. Will never make me money, those two things. But maths, algebra, science, I got nothing. Legal studies. But I think it's a great illustration because sin has the opposite effect. Sin doesn't make us more powerful, it makes us less powerful. It makes us less human. The more we sin, the less like God we become. It messes us up more, we become more broken, our marriages break down, our lives become less because we've got to hide things, we've got to keep things away from people. But the cool thing is that in this moment, Jesus says, I am the way for you to be set free from sin. I died on the cross, so now the power of sin no longer has power over your life, you're set free. If you you want to be free from those things that keep you trapped and held down, I've got the way for you to be free. I think that's a great picture. Sin entangles us. Sin has power in our life, but Jesus broke that power on the cross. So when I have an encounter with him, it changes me. It sets me free from my sin. I know as a Christian, I had some things in my life that if I didn't get a hold of, I would never achieve what God has for me. One of them was whenever I was under pressure, I lied. If, if it was going to be revealed to someone that I was inadequate in a certain area, that I didn't do what I was asked to do, I would lie. I've shared the story how my pastor had me doing Bible college, and every time he asked me if I was doing it, I said yes. Till one day God said, man, you can't keep telling him a lie. I had to go and own up. 
Another thing that happened in my job, when I felt stressed and down and anxious, I just wouldn't go that day. I'd pretend I was sick. God said, you can't, you can't keep doing this. You've got to get free from these things in your life because they have power over you and they'll stop you from being everything God's called you to be. But in Jesus, we have freedom. In Jesus, we can be set free. Jesus has broken the power of sin on yours and my life. But the answer isn't, I'm just going to be good. Because I remember when I, was a, when I was a teenager and I started going along to Sunday school in Forest Beach. We had Sunday school at Forest Beach. We didn't really have a youth thing, but they had a Sunday school. And I remember I'd go along and I made the decision one day, you know what, I'm going to be good. I'm not going to sin anymore. And who knows, that didn't last very long. But I felt bad about myself because I kept doing the things I didn't want to do. But now, when Jesus actually revealed himself to me, I realized actually, actually Jesus has done it for me. He set me free. There's no power anymore. When he looks down, the Bible says in, in Ephesians that when Jesus looks down on you, sorry, when God the Father looks down on you and me, he, some, he sees someone who's as holy and blameless as Jesus. Because Jesus took our place and we took his place. How cool is that? It's a great thought. The, the last thing is this. Free for relationship with God. John 8.35 says, Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. An encounter with Jesus reveals that we're his kids. Jesus' death on the cross made us his kids. And it's a permanent place. It's not like when we're good, the dad goes, Hey son. But when we misbehave, we say, No, you're not my kid. But then when we start behaving again, hey, son, we have a permanent place in the family. My son, see, when I grew up, our table was a very, our, our kitchen table, our, our dining table when we were eating, was a very quiet place, very solemn. Part of it was because my dad, he, he sort of ruled with an iron fist, but, but another part was he believed that kids should be seen, not heard. He still had that whole mindset. So at our table, it was pretty quiet. But probably the biggest reason why I never said anything at the kitchen table was because I didn't want to remind dad I had school, which meant homework. Dad had checked my homework if he remembered I had school, and I never did my homework. And it was bad news if he said, have you done your homework? Stay quiet. You won't even notice I'm here. But my son, well, isn't there. He's there. Um, my son, I don't want things to be like that. I want our kitchen table to be fun. I want him to, any time he likes, to be able to just come up and interrupt my world and just, just come and hang out. He already is doing that when I'm trying to watch something. He's crying and I've got to hold him. But, hey, Dad, let's hang out. Let's spend some time together. I, I want that. And I've got a great picture of my son. Just this week, Renee came back. She went somewhere and she said, this is what Hezekiah did. We went to this, this, this event and there was this other baby there. And the baby was sitting there and he was kind of just sort of sad. Not sad, but just not, not, he was just sort of sitting there. And Hezekiah was kicking his legs and looking at him and smiling and trying to touch him. And then all of a sudden this baby started going, he started getting excited too and sticking his hand out. And I said to Renee, see our son's being inclusive. He's trying to get people excited. He's trying to interest, that's the guy, he's going to be a people person. How cool is that? Now reality is that's probably not what took place. But see, I've got rose colored eyes and and he can do no wrong, and, and, and I love him, and he, I just think the world of him, and we've got big plans for him. It's pretty cool for me, but the reality is he was just probably just excited. And... 
That's how God sees us. He loves you and me. You've got, you're a permanent child. You're, 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 he thinks the world of you. He loves you. He's up in heaven and he's, he's, he's bumping Gabriel, the angel. He's going, hey, check out, check out Trev. He's a cool guy. He's so generous. He can bench press 200 kilos. Hey, Michael, have you, have you, what about Johan? Just this week he bought someone some, this. How generous is that? Man, he's good looking. That's how God is. He's not a mean God. He's not a God that rejects us. Just this week, I got a fresh revelation that I don't have to go into my God's presence and beg for stuff. Don't have to try, come on, wake up, God. Hey, just listen to me. I, I need this. Come on. But my dad's always listening to me. He's always there. He's always, he always hears me. He's always wanting to step into my circumstances. Like David knew in Psalm 18, my cry for help brings me right into your presence, a private audience. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's a good God. He loves us. He's a great dad. And sadly, some of us have had a certain illustration of who, God, uh, who a father is in our life. And, we, some, and, and our dads did the best they could. My dad did the best he could with what he had. And, and, and your dad did the best they could. And we think that our father on earth is an illustration of our father in heaven is but we've got to allow God to change the way we think about how he is and the cool thing about when we have an encounter with Jesus it frees us up to start to see him like that it frees us up to see him as a guy who loves us and cares for us and wants what's best who's here with you right now when you get that diagnosis that you don't like he's sitting there right with you when you're in the hospital he's sitting there in the spare seat next to you when you're driving to an appointment, when you're driving to get your son or your daughter out of jail or, or a brother or sister, he's in the car with you. He, when you're crying, he's in there crying with you because you're his son, you're his daughter. When the great things happen, he's there. At the birth of your son or your daughter, he was there. When we get an illustration of who God the Father is, it frees us up so much. It changes our life. We don't seek a God who's angry and we think we have to appease Him, but we serve a God that loves us already, whose thoughts for us never change. His emotions for us never change, even though our emotions for Him do because we're human. There's a Bible verse, and it's out of Acts 12, 5 to 9, and it says this. So Peter was kept in prison. So what's happened here in this moment? is that James, John's brother from the gospel, has been put to death by Herod. And seeing that this was something that the Jews really liked, and he was obviously a great politician, thought, I'm going to start putting even more and more Christians to death because it, it wins favor with me. So that's how we get to this point. So Peter was, put, was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. If I could get the band up, please. With two chains. And sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. 
He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. I read this in my own personal time. And in the, I highlighted and I bolded the part that said, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church prayed. And under I wrote, prayer works. And the reason prayer works, the reason, the reason when we pray, we can, the Bible says we can go bowl into the throne room of God with our petitions. The reason we can do that, the reason when we pray and God hears us is because we're his children. Because we have a permanent place in the family. He doesn't just hear our prayers when we've been good. He hears our prayers all the time. And he responds. This morning, I think it's great news that we serve a God who loves us as his children. Sons and daughters. And I'm sure my son will do some things that are wrong as he grows older. He's, but in my eyes, he can't do any wrong. But I know I'll still have to discipline him. I'll still have to do things to teach him what's right and wrong. But I'll never stop loving him. And, and my mum, my brother, he does all these wrong things, but my mum still keeps loving him, keeps doing stuff for him. Because a parent, Never stops loving their kids just because they do things that are wrong. We've got a great dad. This morning, I believe Jesus wants you to be free. I believe the truth is, it's not that he wants you to be free. I think the truth is, and I believe the truth is right now that you are free. Because Jesus died on the cross. And the reality is when we have that encounter with Jesus, he's just making known to us and revealing to us a truth that already exists. That when God gives me something, it's not that he's all of a sudden giving me something. It's something that was available to me and I had at the moment of salvation. But only now is he revealing it to me so that I can have the faith to claim it for myself. Right now, all through this place, I believe there's some people who are being ripped off by Satan. Who the enemy has been telling them lies. That they've seen themselves in a way that is wrong and not true. That's holding them back from everything God's called them to be. There's even people in this place that are being held back by sin in their life. That they, in their heart, they don't want to do it anymore because they can see the destruction it's having in their life. All the, all the things that they know is wrong, but we keep on doing it because we think it gives us relief from a pain or a hurt. But Jesus says, I have the way for you to be free. I have set you free on the cross. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.